0: Welcome back to another episode of the draw control podcast on today's episode I'm joined by former Middlebury women's lacrosse player Erica Barr in her lacrosse career Erica has won three national championships including being the captain for the one in 2023 individually she was the 2023 IWLCA national defender of the year and was on the IWLCA All-American first team twice in her career. She was the NESCAC Defensive Player of the Year and had multiple academic honors and became Middlebury's single-season career hold record holder for caused turnovers with 110. Uh, Erica, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and coming on the podcast, and how is everything going?
1: Wow, well, that was very kind of you. Thank you for having me. Um, everything is good. I'm happy to be here.
0: I'm happy to have you on as well. And obviously, you since graduated since uh, winning the national championship. So what have you been up to since then?
1: Yes, a lot has happened since then. Um, but since graduating, I moved to New York City. I work there now. Um, I work at in an investment bank as a trading analyst. So I work on a trading floor every single day, which is... A very big adjustment from going to school in vermont but i really like it so far
0: that's awesome is that sort of like wall street i'm not too familiar with it so
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it is but it's it's good it's exciting good fast pace um but i really like it
0: that's awesome that's awesome i'm assuming living in the city is fun too because i've only gone there for a vacation and obviously it's fun going on vacation but it must be a little bit different living there versus being there to visit.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's funny passing like all the touristy things I used to do when I didn't live there. And now like my office is basically in Times Square. So that has now become a little bit of a problem and not so much an exciting destination to visit.
0: Oh, for sure. Luckily, I would just uh, work from home, I would guess on New Year's Eve, because that seems like it's crazy over there uh, on that day. Definitely. Well, obviously, since you are working in New York, do you still plan on being involved with lacrosse in the near future or are you officially retired from the game?
1: Yeah, so I do have a year of eligibility that is floating out in the abyss somewhere. Um, don't even know how or if that is if that is accessible. But um, I just played in a fall league with my older sister um, just a couple weeks ago, and that was so much fun. My older sister played lacrosse at Gettysburg. Won a couple national championships there. She's very talented, Um, but just so fun to play with her. I think I'll probably be a coach someday in some capacity, but I think that's a little bit further down the road.
0: Nice. Nice. Do you ever, uh, is there any good sibling banter about who's won more national championships?
1: Yeah. Yes. But I have one more than her, so it's usually her who brings it up, but I don't like to rub it in her face.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. I feel like that's an older sibling thing more than a younger one.
1: Yeah, I mean, her footsteps are pretty pretty hard to follow, that's mm-hmm. for sure. She laid it all out there really well, um, but she lost the season because of COVID, um, just like I did, so it it all balances.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, I want to start off the pod talking about sort of the beginning of your career and sort of working all the way up uh, to where you are today. So from just the research I did on yourself, it says you're from Medford, New Jersey, So, what was it like growing up there and how did you start playing lacrosse
1: yeah yeah born and raised medford new jersey Um, loved growing up in medford it's such a great place to get into sports any activity that was out there i was doing it Um, met a lot of my close friends i still have today from doing all sorts of youth sports but i really got into lacrosse in like second or third grade which is later i think than medford has it now um but funny enough my dad used to sneak me into my older sister's practices and clinics and things like that. So I definitely got a little bit of early exposure to lacrosse. Um but yeah, most of the sports I did and activities were things that my older sister did, so I just kind of followed along.
0: And growing up, who's like your favorite lacrosse player or team that you like to watch the most or were you more of like someone that just liked to play the game and not really watch it?
1: Yeah, I mean in the earlier years, it was definitely not common to see lacrosse on tv or to really live stream it I didn't really know how crazy the levels can be of lacrosse um but fortunately from my area uh Michelle Tumalo and Marie McCool both played high school lacrosse we all played for the same club program um so it was really cool to watch those players go through high school college see them still playing today um so that was that was really cool
0: now, you played your high school career uh, with Shawnee. So yeah. talk about your high school lacrosse experience and sort of what you took away from that time of your life.
1: Yeah, I mean, high school lacrosse was so special. I had awesome coaches, still talk to them all the time. Coach Julie Cancilla, Sarah Fitzgerald, literally talk to them all the time. Um, but it, it was just so special to be able to play for your town. Um, I learned so much about... The different roles that i could be in as a player also just how to be a leader like that was probably my first introduction to being a real leader of a lacrosse team from age 16 17 18. Um, it's just so many lessons that come with that
0: Did you have like a favorite memory from your high school when you look back on it now
1: yeah so in 2016 when i was a sophomore my older sister is a senior and the captain of the team we won the sectional championship was like a big fairy tale moment but it, it wasn't just the winning alone it was having my parents come to all the games um the car rides home from practice we'd always like go get bagels or chipotle after like saturday practice and just the the car rides on the way to school on the days of games were so fun we'd always play ridiculous music and just have the best time
0: that's awesome Especially in the win with uh, your sister, too, that not many people get to uh, do that in high yeah. school, but also in college as well. Yes. Yeah. Now, how did you think your high school lacrosse experience helped prepare you for college? Because like you mentioned, you said it helped you become a leader. Was there any on-field skills that you learned in high school that you felt made your transition to college easier for yourself?
1: Yeah, yeah. So in high school, we did a little bit of an introduction to the defense that we would play in college that not a lot of teams play so that was definitely helpful learned a lot about being a draw circle person um headed into high school i'd taken the draw a lot but i would never really been a person on the circle so kind of getting to refine those skills uh really carried over well into college and also we conditioned a lot in high school we like way more than any other sport i did in high school i played soccer and basketball too and it was just a different kind of running um so, yeah, it, I've heard that Coach Cancella has softened since I graduated and didn't make the team run so much. But in those years, it was a, a good preparation for the intensity of college.
0: So let's talk about your recruiting process. Uh, what made you want to go to Middlebury versus other schools you might have looked at and talk about why? d3 is a good route for players to go as well because i feel like there's some sort of i guess stigma around it which i feel like there shouldn't be because i think playing d3 o'clock lacrosse is just as good as being a d2 player and i think it's sometimes a better path than going d1 or d2 as well so i just want to get your opinions on that and what what stood out to middlebury I guess, when you were going through that time because i know there's a lot of younger listeners that we have
1: yeah i mean this is such a loaded question um back in the day when i was recruited there there wasn't any recruiting legislation, so I was starting to get recruited the my freshman year of high school, um, talking to coaches, doing all that sort of stuff, but I initially was D1 or bust because that's what everyone did. That's what the club programs were saying to do. You, you play Division one lacrosse. It's a great opportunity, and it is, but I really, really had to think about it a lot because I wasn't really getting the type of interest That I wanted from a school that I wanted to go to academically so I wasn't really finding the best academic fit at the d1 level and that was a hard pill to swallow because you know I could have played at other division one schools that just didn't really suit my college desires really well um, if that makes sense but I really think it's just such a individual to each their own process and I think a lot of young girls fall into the the I wanna play D one or bust, like I want to wear the sweatshirt and sign the piece of paper and you know get the D one clout and get the the cool sneakers and the sweatshirts and things like that. Um, it's definitely a little bit more glamorous in that way. But at the end of the day, your day-to-day happiness in college means so much more. And to to go to Middlebury and satisfy everything that I wanted was way better than signing a stupid piece of paper my senior year of high school in front of a camera um you know like I got to the point where I was like I want to win a national championship I want a great education hopefully get a job that I like and that would be a dream come true and for all those different things Middlebury was an absolute no-brainer
0: yeah I also feel like from I would much rather Play on a D two or D three team, than just be sitting on the bench the entire time on a D one team as well. I feel like people don't take that into consideration as well. And like you mentioned, obviously academically, if there's a place that fits you better academically, that's obviously more important because after you graduate, that's going to be more beneficial to yourself. Um, when when you because uh, you, you can find a job you like more, you get to find yourself more as well. So I'm totally with you on that. So I'm glad that I feel like now the stigma is starting to come off of it <laughs> yeah. a little bit, but. I feel like it's still there sometimes, at least from my perspective.
1: It's very much like to each their own. You know, some people, they, like, I wasn't going to be playing professional lacrosse. I wasn't going to be a coach. Like, I knew my career was not going to be in lacrosse. And therefore, like, it's just everyone has their own path. And I just think it's really important that people find that path, Um, you know, and it doesn't have to be a division one. Division one path, you can have a, an absolutely amazing experience doing something different.
0: How familiar were you with the uh, Middlebury lacrosse it's like success when you were going through your recruiting process?
1: Yeah, honestly, so I didn't realize this is like so bad on my part. I didn't realize how storied of a program it was. um I known that they just won a national championship in 2016. Um, knew that they were always in the running in some capacity, but. I People from my area in South Jersey really don't play sports in the NESCAC. Most of my friends had no idea where I just committed to college just because, you know, not a ton of people go to Middlebury from this area. Um, But, you know, it did not take long. I Pretty much once I committed for me to realize how special and important the Middlebury women's lacrosse program is and would be for the rest of my life.
0: Now, what was sort of the biggest adjustment you had to make to college lacrosse?
1: Yeah. So getting into college and so the team had just lost the national championship my senior year of high school to my sister, actually, which is like such a crazy like worlds collide situation. But um, so they had just lost the national championship. I think they had graduated four people. So the team that was coming back that fall was so talented, really was not there. They're, they lost very talented players, um, but they were reloaded and like ready to play in another national championship the second we got back to school in September. So it was definitely nerve wracking, but equally exciting coming into that environment. Um, and also just in general, the pace of the game is so different in college. Like when I was in high school, you couldn't self-start to, you know, after a foul, like you would have to wait and start, and then they blow the whistle, you start running again. Um, which is funny looking back on it, because in college, my freshman year, I actually had a couple turnovers from picking up the ball and waiting for them to blow the whistle. And someone just completely taking it away from me because like everything had started already. Um, but yeah, just in general, the pace was definitely very different.
0: And talk about what it was like playing in the NESCAC conference and just the competition you faced each game.
1: Oh, I mean, the NESCAC is the real deal when it comes to Division Three lacrosse. If you look at The top 25 teams in D3 lacrosse every single week, like when the the polls get released, you'll find, I think, probably six or seven NESCAC schools in the top 25 every single week. Um, And that was really cool because our schedule stayed competitive the entire year. And while other teams and other conferences didn't have comp- as competitive conference tournaments, we were playing some of the best teams in the country right before NCAAs. And that is by far the best way to prepare for a playoff run. Um, So, you know, be playing some of the top teams in the country right before it starts.
0: Now, during your freshman year, your team won the national championship. So just talk about that particular national championship and what you took away from your first season in college lacrosse, especially since your role on that team was a little bit different than the next few years uh, you were going to have with Middlebury.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I was very fortunate to contribute a lot um, my freshman year alongside, like I said before, so many returning players who had logged so many minutes and started so many games. So to be able to play with them was just surreal and was grateful for every second that I had that I got to be out on that field with them. And I I think while I I didn't really know it at the time, I think the biggest thing I took away from that season was just the culture and the leadership instilled by that class of seniors, because, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but we wouldn't have another season until 2022. And we kind of had to take what those seniors had given us those years before and move it all the way forward a couple years and show everyone else what the program was like. So, I, I just really think that year was just so much about what Middlebury Lacrosse is and will continue to be. But, like, that's just like in my mind as the culture of the program.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that's a good segue to one of my next questions because obviously, Middlebury might be one of the most successful lacrosse programs in the last 10 years. So, just talk about the culture of Middlebury Lacrosse and just how you guys maintain so much consistency, especially during your career, where I feel like you only lost like three games in your entire collegiate career, which is pretty incredible to think about. And how does your team sort of handle the pressure of being highly ranked and having a target on team on your back, no matter who you faced each game?
1: Yeah, okay, another loaded question. Um, But I mean- I apologize
0: about that. (laughs) No,
1: you're good. I think a lot of it starts with just the amazing coaching staff. Um, KP Livesey, unreal head coach. Amy Patton, instrumental, and also having Katie Ritter and Danny Ellis be there during my time at Middlebury was just absolutely phenomenal. They do such a good job recruiting top talent, Um, but not only do they recruit talented players, there's just a level of consistency, just devotion to hard work that Never wavered in my time at Middlebury. If I went to the athletic center at seven in the morning on any given day to go run on my own or lift or do wall ball or footwork or anything, there would always be like six to ten other girls in the team doing their own thing too. And the cool thing about that is that like nobody asked us to be there. The, no coach was telling us to be there, but there was just this intrinsic motivation for everyone to show up and to put in the time for each other was it was just so special um yeah i mean it it really was just just commitment and we didn't have coach practices for a lot of my falls at middlebury they there's rules in the neskac where you cannot have like a standard fall ball so we were practicing just us no coaches three days a week from the start of the school year until the start of our first day of practice in the regular season. And I'm, I am I feel like it's correct to assume that other teams don't do that, but um, just the commitment level was never wavered.
0: Now, during your sophomore and junior year, the season was canceled due to the pandemic. This is going to be another loaded question, so I apologize about that. But how did you handle the challenge of not playing games and deal with the uncertainty of when you were going to play again? especially since when you knew you are going to play again, it was going to be a lot of new players. It's sort of weird how it worked. Like your first year, it was a lot of experienced players that you got to play with. Mm-hmm. Then the 2022 season, it was sort of the opposite of that. It was like a lot of like inexperienced players that um you had to sort of teach of what it was like being a division three athlete.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was so weird going from being kind of like that last defender to, to get minutes on the field my freshman year to being like, one of the only people who'd ever really logged a career game um on the defense so that was definitely a big adjustment but going back to 2020 and losing that season was just so devastating i mean as it was for so many other college athletes um but we were 3 and 0 we were number 1 in the country at the time we had such a talented team and you know that senior class was amazing and it was just you know awful losing that season we thought it's okay, Like, well, we'll get next year. And then it all just kind of happened so fast that, you know, it, just things weren't able to be put together in time for us to be able to play in 2021. And that was a very different feeling because other teams were playing in 2021. It was not like 2020 when no one was playing at all. Um, Or 2020, no one was playing at all. But in 2021, everyone – it felt like everybody else was playing but us. And that, that stung, especially seeing some other NESCAC teams play. Uh, but in that time, this is like, this makes it all better. In that time, so many of us had actually taken time off from school entirely. I took that semester off from college, hoping to reclaim some normalcy on the back end of my college experience. And that's the only reason why I got to stay and play in 2023. So I lost two seasons. I only played three. Um, but, you know, taking that time off and making that sacrifice and so many other girls in the team did too, ended up being such a good decision.
0: And let's skip ahead to your senior year in 2022. I want to ask you about the NESCAC championship game where you guys lost to Tufts. And the reason why I ask you this is because you ended up playing Tufts and beating them in the national championship game that season. what did you learn from the NESCAC championship game that you think helped your team out in the NCAA tournament? And what did that championship mean to you, especially ever after everything your team sort of dealt with the last two
1: years? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that was a tough day. Losing the Tufts in the NESCAC championship on our field in Middlebury, um, that was really hard. But I think it taught us a lot. And I'm not sure we would have won the national championship if it wasn't for that day. I remember so vividly standing on the restraining line, watching the clock go down to zero and watching the other team celebrate on our field. Um, I was actually the last person on the, the field that day. I, my parents were almost like, come on, Erica, like get off the field. But I stood there and I watched the entire time while they celebrated, just feeling all of the emotions like just the desire to get back out there on monday to to play that team again to have that moment again and i think a lot of the other girls in the team felt the same exact way um because when we came back to practice that next that next week we kicked it into a gear that i have never seen otherwise like i have never been a part of such an intense dialed period of lacrosse in my life because we wanted that back so badly um I just I remember going through NCAAs where like we like we were just so so driven to win. Um and the night before the national championship when we knew we were playing toughs, I remember KP, our coach, said when we were all having a team meeting, she said, you know, this game tomorrow and if we like if we win this game tomorrow, it wouldn't have been right if we didn't get to play this team one more time. Um and that made us all like yeah like that's what we've been working for ever since since that day. Um, So that win was really exciting. I mean, just such a special win, Uh, probably the most, probably the most special win in my career. And also just meaning so much after having two canceled seasons, having a season go on without us and seeing other teams playing and winning without us even there. Um, So to be able to, to get that back and feel, feel that moment and get to the top of the mountain again was just such a surreal experience.
0: I love hearing different athletes' mentalities after a loss because I know some players like to sort of, after a championship, like to stay out and sort of watch and feel the motions. I'm like the complete opposite. I just want to go in the locker room as quickly as possible and sort of regroup and try to work until the next game if that's an opportunity that I have. So I feel like both methods work, but it's curious to hear someone else's perspective on that.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're definitely i there are definitely people who went right into the locker room but i and i I feel like there was probably a little bit of just like paralysis of what just happened yeah um, kind of going through me as well but i oh my gosh but yeah that that really that got me going for sure
0: now you improved a lot during your career what would you say is the biggest improvement uh you've made during your lacrosse career and i'm assuming it's caused turnovers because that stat just looking at it improves significantly throughout your time there so how'd you get so good at that
1: <laughs> i mean yeah statistically speaking that's that's probably what sticks out um i honestly i think a lot of my improvement aside from you know putting in time and hard work in the off season solo workouts and everything like that um really just has to do with having more experience and more opportunities i think you know we play such an intense high pressure backer defense zone Um, it's just it's so hard to to get the hang of but I think once you do and as you continue to get it um, you know you just kind of take off exponentially like the learning curve is very steep but once you get it you get it and I think being able to have more time in that position in that role was was really helpful and you know, my role was kind of like let the dog off the leash and I would just chase everyone and, you know, try to try to take the ball away. But I wouldn't have been able to do that if it wasn't for the backer being right behind me and the rest of the defense shifting and moving so I could go do that. So it really is such a team defense to play a zone. Um, not so much like a man to man or a one v one defense. Um You know just everyone has to be working constantly in tandem for one person to look good so i think that you know 99 percent of my excess has to do success has to do with everybody who was supporting me that you couldn't really see
0: now you were named captain of the team this past year uh along with a few other of your teammates but what type of leadership did you want to bring would you consider yourself more of a vocal leader or lead by example type of
1: player Okay, first of all, being the captain of the Middlebury lacrosse team is such an honor. It was something I had wanted since I was a freshman. Hopeful maybe that would be me someday. So getting to be a captain was so rewarding. Um, in terms of my leadership style, I would say it's mostly lead by example. I'm not really the like, rah-rah type person. Um, but I was very intentional about trying to keep things fun and to keep things light because you know we are out there we are working so hard oftentimes it is very cold so i think there there needs to be some you know kind of lightness and and fun happening at the same time because at the end of the day like we're here because it's fun and we love each other and we love lacrosse so um lead by example but like also have fun at the same time at the right moments
0: nice what would be example of like having fun with just like dancing in the middle of practice
1: yeah yeah like you could say that or just like telling jokes or you know engaging with the group like the thing about being a captain at a NESCAC school or a school that doesn't have fall ball with a coach is that you are planning like you are planning practice you are getting the equipment laying cones down reserving gym space reserving field space coordinating time slots making sure everyone can get there communicating with the other sports captains like it is such it, it like once we got into the regular season and the coaches do all that and like the administrators do all that it's so so different um but it it's just so rewarding like it, it was just such a cool experience and because of that we would be able to you know have funny moments at practice more often because it's like the coaches weren't there, you know, as fun as they are, as fun as they are. They're fun, great people. Um, not having them there all the time allowed for some, you know, some silly moments or like playing games and just different things like that.
0: Were you the funniest on the team?
1: <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't give myself that. There, but I would say like, if we're talking percentile, I think I'm in like the 75th percentile, 100 being like the funniest. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, we we definitely have some characters on that team for sure.
0: Who was like the funniest that you can remember in the top of your head?
1: That's hard, honestly. Like Jamie Newman, so funny. Just one-liners, just saying what everyone's thinking. Um, she's an awesome player. I'm so excited to watch her in the next few years, but just absolutely hysterical.
0: Now, how is the captain? see chosen is it like voted on by the team is the coach this uh, side how does that how does that work
1: yeah so everybody votes at the very end of the season for the next year's captains and then it gets announced gets announced like right after the season ends and like the final team meeting for the year like right before graduation um so i'm assuming it's a vote situation because we all voted um i'm sure there's some kind of coach input but i really do think it's uh, a voting situation
0: now your fifth year your team went undefeated to win another national championship the third one in your career what did this one mean to you mean to you knowing it was your final championship with middlebury and would you overall take away from your fifth year pretty good, good cool way to go out uh not many yeah. players get to say that so
1: Yes, I mean can't have any complaints about an undefeated senior season. It made all the sacrifice of taking time off and maneuvering my class schedules and like having to be a special student. It, it made it all so worth it. I mean, even if we didn't win, it would have been worth it just to have more time with those people. Um, but it, it, I mean, it's the cherry on top. It was just, it was just just a real way to end my college career um just surrounded by so many people I love and to to really cap it off nicely um then I like I've said I I I only had three seasons at Middlebury and like as much as I would have loved to have four I would have loved to be able to play four years of college across um but those three years I feel like are better than any four years I could have had anywhere else honestly
0: yeah and obviously now you're an adult working. So how do you think your Middlebury lacrosse experience has helped you as an adult being in the workforce?
1: I mean, Middlebury has already given me everything. That's like, I could write a novel on this, um, aside from the great education, a job I like lifelong friends. Like those are all those things right there, everything and more. Um, but in terms of what the programs taught me, learned a lot about resilience and sacrifice. A lot of that came during COVID and also just, discipline you know like showing up in the early mornings like i I wake up between the hour of five and six every day now and i think getting up for lacrosse commitments has definitely helped with that um and those are more rigid things but also just showing up for myself showing up for others you know p- prioritizing the people that i care about most just a lot of of softer, softer skills as well. Um, you know, just things I'll carry with me forever.
0: That's awesome. Do you plan on going back uh, to a game this year?
1: Oh, I'd love to go back to a game. I mean, if my, if my work schedule allows, I think mid plays, my dad already like has the whole schedule out. My dad is like the most, he makes brackets. He does everything. He is obsessed. Um, but if Middlebury and TCNJ play each other at TCNJ, I think it's a pretty easy train from, from new york city to to go see that game so maybe i'll be able to do that but i will be watching and live streaming and cheering on from afar for sure
0: that's awesome so let's go into a segment now i call five questions that have nothing to do with sports and the goal of the segment is to hopefully get to know you more off the field then i can answer some on my own if you like so first one is uh, if there was a movie made about your life uh, who would you want to play yourself
1: that is so hard that is such a hard question um okay if i had to choose i'm thinking like reese witherspoon legally blonde era personally i mean i would be honored to have her be me um would love to hear what what you think for yourself
0: i always say um ryan reynolds just because it'd be hilarious because we don't look anything alike but i just want to brag to my friends saying that he played me in a movie because <laughs> i just think that'd be funny and he seems like a nice guy too so i'll go with him but i think acting wise probably like andrew garfield because i really like him in a lot of movies he's done and i feel like he would portray me well so one of those two
1: oh love that two two solid choices for yeah. sure
0: now thanksgiving's coming up at the time of this recording so what's the most underrated holiday and what's the most overrated holiday?
1: Overrated is so easy. New Year's Eve, so overrated. Um, I feel like there's just a lot of expectations built around New Year's Eve. And like, what are you going to do? What are you going to wear? Like, uh, especially in New York City, you know, you have to like buy super expensive ticket to go to something. And then if it doesn't meet your expectations, just like whatever. Um, Also, the whole New Year thing and like change. I don't do well with change. I cried at my entire graduation. Like change is just not my favorite thing. Um, so that's how I feel about that. And then in terms of underrated, I feel like most holidays are pretty rated. So I feel like this isn't really a holiday, but I'm counting it the night before the night before Christmas, December 23rd, That's because because the next day is Christmas Eve. So like, that's awesome. But then you still have Christmas after that. So I think that the 23rd is like my own personal favorite little holiday
0: that's cool that's a good one i would say one of the worst days of the year and you would know this is the first day you get back from winter break um in school Uh, vibes always seem down on that day no matter what i don't know why i was thinking like what's like the worst vibes you can feel and it's always the day you get back from winter break because it's like dark cold it's like it's just always depressing
1: yeah it's also like january 2nd which is another reason why the whole new year's extravaganza is yeah
0: yeah I would say for me, underrated uh, probably Thanksgiving just because Christmas and Halloween get a lot of love and Thanksgiving yeah. sort of sandwiched in between that. So I would say then it's like, you don't have any pressure to like get gifts or buy a costume. So yeah. I, I would go with that. And then overrated probably like Valentine's Day. Like I don't hate mm-hmm. Valentine's Day. Like obviously I think love is awesome, but I just feel like, um I don't know. I just feel like it's like a scam. Like, like certain card companies just made a day so you're forced to buy something for someone else when you should be doing that every day. I know it's cliché to say, but no. I just feel like I'm I'm I just feel like it's kind of a, a cheap way to make people buy stuff that they don't need to.
1: No, I totally agree. I think I mean, I Valentine's Day is for the girls. Like that it makes sense. Um but yeah, it's a very consumption related holiday, but mm-hmm. I get that.
0: Yeah. Uh what's the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week?
1: Well, I've read a lot of things that I would find interesting, but the viewers probably would not find interesting, most having to do with my job. Um, but in terms of something I've watched that's interesting, I watched the Eagles play the Chiefs last night as a South Jersey um, diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. That was a great game to watch. I watched with my parents because I'm home for Thanksgiving. Um, and so that that was very interesting to me.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge Patriots fan. So Mm -hmm. it's that Super Bowl that the Eagles won always will make me upset because Tom Brady probably had the best game of his career throwing like over 500 yards and they still lost. So that one always, I always think about how that should have been what that was the one that got away for him.
1: Well, that game was actually on my 18th birthday. That was one of the best days ever. My senior year of high school was so much fun. So I'm sorry that that wasn't as good of an experience for you.
0: It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It, we won three other ones after that. I was going so say, I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that, I think the most interesting thing that I saw was probably like, I've been I've been watching like some TV now since I've had some time off. And I saw, I've been watching Breaking Bad for the first time um, ever. And I know that's a popular TV show, so it's pretty good. And then, yeah, that's about it. Really just a lot of sports stuff that I think Love viewers that. probably wouldn't be interested as well. And so. Love that.
1: Love that. <laughs>
0: Now, last non-Lacrosse question is, what is one item on your bucket list that you hope to accomplish one day?
1: Oh, well, I don't really know if this is an accomplishment, but I would love to like live in Italy for a couple of months, travel a lot. I have a lot of traveling plans and things that I'd like to do in that capacity. Um, another thing that I might want to do, I have like all these ideas for my future. I either want to have a small farm and perhaps in vermont because of my awesome experience there or i want to own a cheese store because i think that would be so cool there's one down the shore where i go every summer and i feel so safe there so i think i need to have my own
0: i think for me just travel different spots like i love to see all the national parks and do that stuff i think that would be a lot of fun so something like that
1: love that great idea
0: All right. So back to some of the cross questions now. Uh, One I want to ask you is just a basic one. What should be done to help grow women's lacrosse? I feel like it'll be, obviously, I think a lot of D1 programs are very noticeable on TV and they obviously they still need to grow as well, but how do you get it to where like, like more people start watching like division two and three women's lacrosse and getting that started as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's such a hard question because I love watching lacrosse um but just even in general I think like every year my sister and I and my family we get the ESPN plus package to be able to watch college lacrosse in the spring um and even with that and those are like the top d1 games there's some conferences that don't even go on ESPN plus and the fact that you even have to pay for ESPN plus to watch those games is a little disappointing um you know I just think if more games could be on regular television that would be awesome so more access for people who don't pay for espn plus and i think you kind of have to start there before you even make your way down to like the rest of division 1 and then to to other games but you know like the ncaa does a good job of streaming the final four and championship games for division 3 uh which is really cool and but like we don't like It would be cool to get something like that on TV as well, even if it's just for like the final four of the national championship. And I think it will get there in due time and a ton of progress has been made. Um, But I just know that if I were a little girl watching, I would be over the moon to be able to watch lacrosse on TV.
0: Yeah. How do uh, people watch Middlebury lacrosse? Is that streamed or is it something? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know
0: more about that than me, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's streamed on the NESCAC Sports Network. Um, They do a great job. Especially given the fact that it's usually snowing sideways or raining or something like that, the weather's not super great in the springtime, when the spring is in February. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's fun. The announcer for our game does a great job.
0: That's awesome. What yeah. was like your favorite uh, road uh, place to play in in your college career at Nes- uh, in Nescac?
1: Yeah, that's hard. So. Hmm. In the NESCAC, it's I guess it's a little bit of a different story. I know Wesleyan has a really good sound system and they had a really good warm-up tape. Um, so we really liked that. But outside the NESCAC, my freshman year, we played at Salisbury and they have a great stadium with like the instant replay screen. Um yeah, that was just Those are two that I can think of off the top of my head, but obviously the final four national championship games are the coolest venues. We played at uh, Randolph-Macon my freshman year. They had like the instant replay and all the cool hype videos and things like that. So that was really fun. But um, Roanoke does such an amazing job. They host so many D3 championships. So playing there this past spring and the spring prior for final four weekend was also really awesome. Just great facilities.
0: Well, Erica, it was so much fun having you on the podcast. One more Ah. thing before you go is, do you have any shout outs you want to give uh, to any of your family members, former teammates and friends? And who should we have on the podcast next?
1: Oh, that's so cute. Okay. Well, I feel like I've talked about my family a lot, so just gotta give them a shout out. My parents are the best. They traveled so far all the time to come watch me play. My dad is just—I like I said before—he's obsessed with—he's uh, obsessed with lacrosse and you know all the sports that my sister and I have done through the years. So just to have such a great support system here at home is just—I'm very, very fortunate and extremely blessed. Um, and to answer your question about who to get on here next, I'm going to push your boundaries a little bit here, but I think you should get a coach on here, um, at some point, either, you know, like Kathy Reese from Maryland or Amy Patton from Middlebury college. That woman is a legend coach at Dartmouth for a long time coaches at Middlebury now. Um, just, you know, get, get a coach on here sometime, stir the pot a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah it's hard getting coaches on i'll tell you that um I, I'll, yeah. we'll, I'll try my best uh we'll definitely try to get one on soon but um yeah definitely i'd, I'd definitely do that because i'd love to hear sort of the perspective of recruiting from the other side trying to find yes. players because that's so i feel like a lot more interesting than hearing it from a player's perspective uh, no no offense so no
1: not taking.
0: <laughs> well erica i'll give you a shout out because i really appreciate you coming on the podcast thank you so much uh, for doing this for me it means a lot i think you're a great player but an even better person so i just oh. want to let you know that and uh yeah best of luck um in your future endeavors um in new york city enjoy it it seems like a fun city to live in thank um, you. and yeah thanks so much for doing this and obviously best of luck uh, to your former teammates as well
1: thank you